<clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, this is 99 miles per hour with Percy Garner. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Your Pizza, the finest pizza anywhere. But if you don't like pizza, which everyone does, they got wings, sandwiches, subs, and of course, salads for those of you who like to be healthy, not like me. Uh, also, I would like to mention the network that allows me to have this podcast, and that is the Get Level Podcast Network. There's plenty of other podcasts, a lot of content to get through. And uh, also, go check out the website, getlevelpod.com. It'll be up some, somewhere around here. Uh, go there, check out all the websites. You can also listen. Uh, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, you can listen uh, audible without any interruptions. And then also, to the Rainbow Connection, uh, I am the new executive director there, and we are having our telethon uh, that we have every year, and we're expecting big things, even though in these tough times, uh, we know the community can always come through. That is March 7th, and starting at 11 a.m. And then also, my, my scholarship fund, also trying to raise uh, money for a Dover student uh, in these hard times to, to get some help uh, for them to attend college. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to me, Casa. Make yourself at home. Do your do. Welcome to my pad. This your lab. Go create your move. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the 99 Miles Per Hour podcast with me, your host, Percy Garner. And we have a special guest today. Uh, I'm very excited about this interview. Um, I enjoyed last week's, but this is a, a, a different area um, of stuff that I'm trying to tap into and become more familiar with. And I think as a people in this community, we need to kind of grow and understand this area more. I, I think the awareness is, is, is being brought up and, you know, superstars and celebrities are talking about it now. So I think it's something that we're all going to be aware of here in the near future and we're working towards it. But we have someone that I have just uh, got the honor of meeting a couple of weeks ago. And um, I'm excited because he shares a couple of things that are in common with me, like uh, being a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And uh, he's got some <laughs> projects that he's got going on next uh, to support the Steelers further. And uh, he is also the executive director of the Community Mental Health. And uh, I'm excited to have him on. J.J. Borowski. Did hey, I say that right? You did. Nice. You did. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks good. for having me. Yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, I guess <laughs> since I already touched on it, we might as well just talk a little bit about, um, and I could share, even though I've shared it, I think, thousands of times on this show, um, how I became a Steelers fan. But, you know, just talk about where you're from and how that kind of turned into, you know, being a Steelers fan. Yeah, so I meant to bring a terrible towel to lay out on the <laughs> table here today and came off and forgot. I thought that would have been a nice little touch. It would have. But no, uh, I get asked that a lot, especially being here in Ohio and so close to Cleveland. Um, but I actually grew up about 35 minutes outside of Pittsburgh, mm. uh, northern Panhandle, West Virginia, Weirton, West Virginia, okay. um, and being so close to Pittsburgh. Um, but I, I do have to admit, my father was a very devout Browns fan. Oh. And so I think I learned from his frustration and uh, <laughs> seeing his pain over the years that we're not going there. So... Uh, Nice. Yeah. 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 Well, me is kind of the opposite because my came from my dad. He was a diehard Steelers fan. Um, uh, you went to college with Jack Lambert, and awesome. it's just been that was his team. He was like both of my parents were extreme. My my mom was Browns. She would go to the mall in her Browns pajamas, and I would refuse to walk <laughs> in with her. And then my dad would have these gaudy 
yellow Steelers. <laughs> then again, it was the '90s, so that stuff was was in. But yeah, and it, and they were winning, and the Browns didn't have a team for a little bit. And I started to care about football when they didn't have a team. So, uh, and the Cordell Stewart was number ten, ah, and yes, I you yes. know like number ten, and the. Wasn't many black quarterbacks in the league at that time, like Randall Cunningham, and I think that's about it. But <laughs> so Warren Moon, Warren Moon, my bad. That's even yeah. that's like family, to be honest. He's yeah. related to my 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 grandma. Oh, really? Yeah, I should have known that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Houston, yes, rivalry. Yes, um, the Oilers. Yes. <laughs> oh man, those were the times. I, you know, I don't know, uh, Josh. I mean, you're only one year younger than me, but you know, the Oilers. And you, do you remember that time? Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I like to talk to him from time to time for no reason and just bring him in, <laughs> even when he's trying to edit and make everything good over there. But, hey, the, uh, he can multitask. What's the guy on uh, Fallon that is off and they bring him in every once in a while? Oh, uh, dang. I know the dude that's on um, Jimmy Kimmel. What's the dude that's on Kimmel? He's uh, like the, a Latino dude. What do they call him? The quirky little guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what Josh is. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we might have to get you on camera some more. Eventually we're going to get him on these shows, but um but no, okay. So we got, you know, we talked about the Steelers and you got a little project going on. Are you willing to share what's going on about the your little uh, project at home? At home? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. So we'll be uh starting the Steeler room soon. Yes. Uh finishing the basement. Putting up the prize possessions. Yes, I can. I saw a couple in your office. So yeah, because yeah. I, I felt like I don't hear the name. Was it was Greg Lloyd? Greg right? Lloyd. Yes, I remember that guy. Wasn't <laughs> hired for his disposition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited though. You know, maybe I'll make it down there to see what inspired me because my basement's not even close to being finished at all. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know if I'd want to dedicate a lot to that just because, you know, the Steelers. I don't know where they're going. From here, somehow they always squeak out a good record and make it to the playoffs. I don't understand yeah. draft picks. <laughs> yeah, draft yeah, yeah. Picks. But uh, Mike Tomlin is someone I definitely look up to. He is good coach. Um, sp- speaking of uh, projects, uh, there's another big one uh, that you know pertains to community mental health. I got a little walkthrough. I'm pretty excited to see it when it's done. Um, but you want to talk about that a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. Um, so community mental health. Um, We've historically been focused on behavioral health needs of individuals, and um, several years ago when we had the downturn in the economy, one of the things that we were looking at is how do we diversify from a business standpoint? How do we solidify ourselves into the future? And we were looking at ways that we could uh, develop alternative revenue strategies, and where our board went was, okay, the folks that we serve in our community, what is it that they need and how can we best meet their needs? And we went through a whole strategic planning process and what we landed on was that many of the folks that we were seeing didn't have primary care doctors. So our psychiatrists were telling us, hey, we're bringing these folks so far along in their behavioral health treatment, but they have a whole host of untreated medical issues, diabetes, hypertension, they're a ticking time bomb. So what we decided was that we were going to uh, go down the road of primary care. And uh, we had a retired family physician on staff who decided to come out of retirement and do some primary care for us. Nice. Um, so we implemented that in 2015 uh, oh, okay. and introduced that to our service package. 
2018, uh, we implemented a dental clinic. Um, we saw that as a huge unmet need here in our community. Yeah, I got to see that. That was pretty cool. You did. Uh, and uh, Rainbow Connection helped out with that. Rainbow Connection, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and then one of the things that uh, we're seeing now is that many folks are having difficulty accessing affordable prescriptions. So even though they may be able to come get their primary care treatment or their psychiatric care, they can't afford the prescriptions. Uh, so we are creating an addition under our health center, which will house our pharmacy. And uh, we're hoping to have that open by spring, early summer. And uh, because of our status as a federally qualified health center, uh, we'll be able to access prescriptions uh, at a much cheaper price than okay. what retail pharmacies are. And then nice. pass that savings on to folks who, who need that. That's good. I mean, people in this community, I mean, as long as you're aware and you know where to go, um, I think we have ev pretty much everything is covered here, but a lot of times, you know, people just don't know. I, I'm running into that a lot where I didn't know about community mental health and all this stuff, even though I had a laser focus when I was <laughs> growing up in this um, in this um, community. I didn't have, you know, awareness of, hey, you know, I feel this way, you know, or I, I think I need help with this. Where should I go? But obviously, times are different now and there's information just thrown at you. So it's your own fault if you don't know <laughs> if you don't know where to go. But um, but no, the the community mental health is something that, you know, that I think I appeared. Was that the Adams board podcast that had CMH on there? ADC. OK, well, I, that was my first real introduction uh, to uh, CMH. And when I say CMH, I mean community mental health. But um, and I met Miles and. You know, I was just like, wow, I didn't even know this was a thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and sadly, um, you know, I, I hear this as I go around the community that most people aren't aware of the breadth of services that we offer. And, uh, you know, it's been referred to as the area's best kept secret, but that yeah. is kind of sad because people who need the services don't know the breadth of what we offer. And it has been a challenge from a marketing perspective. Not everybody reads the newspapers. Mm -hmm. Not everybody listens to the radio. I think social media uh, has helped a lot because we do have a Facebook page and uh, put out as much information as we can there. Podcasts such as yeah, this help yeah. spread the word. So, um, yeah, that's been a challenge to keep the community abreast of what we're doing. Now, uh, going along with that, because a lot of people, when we talk about, you know, the dreaded COVID word, a lot of people don't really associate it with mental health. There has been a lot of, uh, I guess, material sh sharing that and saying hey th this is how it's affecting younger people they might not be showing a lot of symptoms when they but it's just them being out of school not being around their friends not having prom not being able for athletes not being able to have the recruiting experience that there's just a lot of things that we don't think about and there's more that i just didn't mention in that list but covid has had its effect uh you know mentally on a lot of people i know when i was you know some i always look at myself as being mentally strong mm -hmm. And when I was, um, what's that word called? Quarantine. <laughs> when I was quarantined, <laughs> that 10 days was rough. That's what I hear. I had to close the door on my, my daughter, like, and just say, hey, you know, like, stay away from daddy. <laughs> it, it was not, it wasn't a good experience. And, you know, sometimes us men, we joke like, oh, you know, we'd love to just be alone. <laughs> but <laughs> it was uh, it was not a good experience. And I can see how someone who hasn't had my life experiences that may not be able to accept that adversity right then and there in the moment 
and look at it as a learning experience, but look at it as, wow, this is terrible. And they could, their mental health could drop. I mean, what, that's obviously something directly you guys um, can help with, but Absolutely. what have you seen uh, in our community? And I guess all over the, uh, the United States, uh, how COVID has affected, you know, people's mental health of all yeah. ages. Uh, we could, we could do a whole two hour <laughs> podcast on that, but no, you know, honestly, it comes down to, you know, each age group, uh, it impacts differently. It also based on socioeconomic status, as you mentioned, you know, it was rough for you and you consider yourself mentally strong. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think of someone who, may be in their 60s, living alone, their family, their children are out of the area. They're not tech savvy. They're yeah. not connected in. Um, so a lot of factors go into um, how is this going to impact a person? Obviously, somebody who has a great social support system, uh, people that are able to seek alternative ways to get connected into social supports. Um, you know, If all those things are in place, it's going to be rough for two weeks, but it may not be terrible. Yeah. Uh, but someone who has a disability, someone who has a psychiatric disorder uh, that don't have that uh, ability to cope, um, it's going to obviously impact them a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're probably going to see a little more trauma than what you would uh, someone who is mentally healthy if yeah. you can say that yeah yeah and I, you know i shared a couple of things about my mental health so i wouldn't say i'm the strongest mentally but we all have our weak points um but i just want people to you know take away from this section is you know mental health is a is another i guess muscle you have to exercise you know so to speak you know a lot of people think oh you know i got to get smarter and I, you know for my body my physical you know shape i have to lift weights and run and exercise but you know, you have to, you know, instill confidence. And, and I'm trying to do that in my son because I know with me, there were some areas that my confidence lacked and it kind of hurt me long-term in some areas. So I know just kind of just building up people around the community, just being nice. I mean, I, oh, I saw a sign that today at the YMCA, it said spread kindness, not germs. So exactly. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that impressed me um, when the whole pandemic started and it was a really healthy thing for people to do. And that's focus on the community, focus on the less fortunate. Um, We saw a lot of uh, the community members focusing on the small business community Mm -hmm. and not so much focusing on ourselves and having that intrinsic focus, but how do we help others? How do we help those that are less fortunate uh, or maybe struggling more than us and extrinsically placing that focus uh, outside of ourselves and uh, I think that is a big positive coping strategy that, that many people took in the beginning of this pandemic. And I think it was big that you said people struggling more than us because we're all struggling. Oh, yeah. But uh, so I just want to make sure that was reiterated because people got it. They have to know that, you know, even though it seems everybody's life is great because of social media, oh. but everyone's struggling in some areas. Just be aware of that. Um, but. Now that we, you know, we spoke about community mental health and you've been there for what, 12 years? Uh, September was 11. So 11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, so what, what did you study and how did you get here? I, I think you, uh, you went to Ohio Valley University, which my best friend who appeared on the show already, Micah, 
he went there and played basketball. Really? He, yeah, he left it there. So I never got the. I think I went down to watch one basketball game. So I didn't really get to explore the campus uh-huh. or anything like that. But um, you know, explain like what you studied and your career path, I guess, and how you ended up where you're at. Yeah, uh, it wasn't a linear path by any any uh, section, but um, yeah. So growing up. Um, wanted to do the big university thing. Um, first choice was Ohio State. Same. Um, <laughs> applied there, got accepted. Uh, WVU was another choice. Uh, but growing up, my parents were um, pretty devout Christians and valued what a Christian environment brings to a young person as they're, <laughs> they're growing up. So my parents really uh, pushed for me to go to a Christian university. Nice. And uh, so when I didn't get... Uh, the chance to go to Ohio State or WVU, uh, my choice was Pepperdine, which is oh, okay. on the coast in Malibu. Wow. It's a Christian <laughs> school, you know. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I have some teammates that went there, though. Really? Yeah. So, of course, they nixed that because it was too far away. Uh, so, ended up at a High <laughs> Valley University and uh, started out. I always knew I wanted to do something that, that helps people. And I started off as pre-med, uh, did two years at Ohio Valley High Valley College at the time, but okay. it, it became university since then. Um, after my second year, I transferred out to Alderson Broadus uh, okay. for a short period of time into their physician's assistant program. Nice. Decided that that campus, that wasn't for me, came back and took up psychology. So I wow. finished there uh, with a degree in psychology and a minor in biology. Um, following that, I was going to go to Marshall University, okay. but got a job back home. Uh, which allowed me to live at home, cut costs, and go to school at the same time. Smart. (laughs) Got my master's degree in in clinical counseling uh, at the University of Steubenville. Nice. And uh, have been in the field since. So that's been about 22 years I've been in the Ohio public mental health system. Nice. So you've got experience. (laughs) A few years. You can say that. (laughs) Well, that's good. I mean, it's always interesting hearing people in their – because I think I have a crazy story and how I ended up in pro ball and all that stuff. But it, I just love hearing, you know, the path people took and, and what they had to learn to get past this or, you know, what you excelled at, what you didn't excel at, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but what do you think, what is the, if you can narrow it down to one or two, <laughs> what are the two biggest things you've learned, you know, coming to this community and, and being a part of the organization of community mental health? Uh, narrowed down. Um, <laughs> well, you know, obviously, um, much of my career in the beginning was spent doing direct service, working with kids and families. And I can tell you that was just packed full of learning experiences. Um, I, I think back to the time when I was working uh, with the West Virginia Youth Advocate Program, and um, they work predominantly with kids uh, in the juvenile system, going through the adoption process, uh, juvenile court, that sort of thing. And um, I worked with a a lot of kids in foster care. And some of these kids were, uh, I'm just thinking of them in my head still, (laughs) seven, eight years old. And they had been through more in that time than I had in 20 plus years of life. And some pretty grotesque type situations and things that would just, I'm getting chills just thinking about some of it. And, you know, that has made me realize that, that everybody has a story and to truly understand a person, um, you need to understand where they've been and how they have developed their worldview. Um, 
and uh, that's left an impression on me that you know s- uh, most of the time in in today's society we're so quick to judge but we don't understand what a person has been through and and what has formed how they see their world and how they choose to interact and um yeah that that has just really left an impression on me well i think that's a lesson that we all need to learn um some of us are forced to learn you know quicker than others i know i was put in position with being an an athlete all through college and, and professionals i was put in you know i mean if you if you think about remember the titans Obviously, my situation wasn't like that, but you're always put into these locker rooms and you have to get along. It's just and you don't really think about, you know, that many of their backgrounds until you you go through some adversity with your teammate, whether it's on the field, off the field, no matter what. Then you start to that's when, you know, you bond a little bit and and you kind of understand that person. You look at them differently, you know, as as opposed to the first days when you show up at the field and you're just like, okay. This dude likes country music. He's probably <laughs> like this or whatever. Um, but it's it's definitely a valuable lesson. I'm glad you brought that up. When that's, you know, something we don't talk about, again, is, you know, the stigma associated with mental health or talking about mm. a person's background and trying to understand. You know, I, I still see so much uh, stigma associated with addiction, you know, and we know that uh, people who have been through trauma who have uh, behavioral health disorders um, often use substances to self-medicate uh, to eliminate some of the emotional pain. Yeah. And we look at them as bad people. They just need to stop using drugs. They need to stop, you know, make better choices so they stay out of jails. So, yeah. But let's look at why they're using those substances and try to get them the help, the support that they need. And, and so, so much we still don't recognize the importance of good, as you said, mental health, mm-hmm. uh, behavioral health care, and getting people back on their feet and recovering. Yeah. I mean, I, I've experienced a lot of that in my life as not firsthand, but just, you know, from a view. But, I mean, take it as if you see people a certain way and you're like, like your example, oh, well, you know, they use drugs, they, they need to stop doing that or whatever. You know, we all have our, our ways of escaping you know, the, the stress of our life or whatever it is, um, you know, theirs just happens to be a little bit different than ours. But I don't think it's something that we can, you know, you know, you know, point our finger and go, hey, you know what? I, I didn't want to point at you. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's something we go back. We can't judge people for doing that. And yeah. I think it's it's just being a human. Um, it seems hard nowadays to just be human, but <laughs> I think it's pretty simple. It's just uh, it's part of my nature. Um, but, uh, I think there's a, it's also based on how you're brought up. If you're brought up in a negative home, that's just how you are. So, um, obviously if you want to better yourself, I think you can get help and, oh, and surround your people with positive with, uh, absolutely. yeah. So, um, another thing I want to kind of ask you is who was someone, and I love this question, but cause usually I get the same answers and it's all right. I'm just going to, you know, steal your thunder if it's the same thing, but it's usually grandparents. It's one of the answers, and I love that because that's the same for me. But in your life, who has supported you or slash inspired you uh, uh, the most? Now, obviously, I know there's probably tons of people you can name, um, and but they won't be mad if you don't mention them. So. <laughs> <laughs> but just you know, the ones that had the biggest impact. Yeah, no, I you know, 
probably one that you hear a lot is is no different than mine, and that's my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I I grew up in a um, a family in Weirton, middle class. Uh, my father was just like anyone else working in the valley. What did you do? You grew up and you went and worked in the steel mills. Yeah. Um, busted his butt so that you know our family could have everything that we needed. Uh, probably crossed into the line of once, yeah. <laughs> um, but would work, you know, 12, 24 hours a day doing different shifts in the mill, um, you know, helping put us through college. Um, my mom was um, uh, an administrative assistant at a couple different places and she worked full time growing up. So they really instilled in us the value of work. Um, but also, as I mentioned, they were devout Christians and uh, we went to church services Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday. Um, <laughs> we missed sports practices because there was a church on Wednesday. Nice. And uh, so they, they really instilled uh, in both me and my sister um, a strong set of values and a strong set of morals and, and beliefs and, um, you know, the value of humanity. Yeah. And those, I think, uh, set the foundation uh, for where I am today. And of course, you know, getting out of college and even in college, uh, professors that um, really did an excellent job at uh, helping us understand the value of being human and uh, helping people uh, that are struggling. Um, Getting out of college and thinking of early mentors in the field, other counselors that really took them, took me under their wings. You know, I think of um, the former executive director that I used to work for, Mary DeNoble, thank me later. Um, (laughs) But she uh, uh, really took me under her wing and, um, you know, really gave me a lot of learning opportunities that most people don't have. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there was a lot of people along the way that I I probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for them. Nice. Well, it's good that you recognize that. But the the thing you, you talked about that I thought I wanted to, you know, just emphasize was, um, you know, people don't, they don't realize the impact they have in your life when they're doing it, you know, especially probably Mary, she probably was just like, well, you know, this is what I have to do. This is, this is someone who's, you know, maybe, I don't know if she was thinking at the time, maybe replace me or whatever, but she probably saw that you had work instilled in you by your family and you were a hardworking individual and you wanted to, you know, make something of yourself. So she probably poured into inside like, <laughs> like, okay, this is someone I want to spend time with and kind of help. Um, but it's it's something that I growing up didn't look didn't really attach onto as much as I did later. I feel like once I hit twenty four, twenty five, twenty six is when I was like, not that I figured life out, but I was like, oh, <laughs> this is. I wish I would have known this like ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just it's just wh- whoever's doing exactly what you want to do. Just ask them. I don't know many people. If I'm like, hey, JJ, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about community mental health. You have a lot of experience there. Obviously you like it, so you're not going to shy away. You're going to share. And I think it's important that, you know, especially young people, just, you don't have to use the word mentor or anything like that, but just look for people that, you know, that they're doing something that you want to do and ask them for help. I mean, it's, it's very simple, but I just feel like, you know, it's not cool or something. Yeah. I think, I don't know if you've hit this. I think I'm older than you. I know I'm older (laughs) than you, but uh, you know, probably about five years ago, it, it, it hit me that it, it is really about giving back, you know, not just, you know, doing what I do to get paid, but, you know, working with students, 
uh, interns, um, working with people in the public, volunteering time, giving back of your, your skills, your talents. And um, yeah, I, I think that's really what it's about too. Not just, hey, here's my job, here's what I do, but how do I give back to young people? How do I give back to the community? And I think that's an important thing. And I think that also just comes with who you are and who you you know, been raised and how you've been raised. And, and for me, that's, that's been something that I think in my last, you know, job with Comdoc, it was a great job. I could see myself working there forever until I retire, but I just feel, I just felt like I wasn't using all my gifts and I feel like my gifts are, you know, obviously being able to conversate with any type of person, old, young, rich, poor, and it doesn't matter who you are. I feel like I can find a common ground with you and we can develop a relationship. And, you know, that only doesn't just help that individual. It helps me as well. I just, I just like being around people. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But um, I, I kind of want to, you know, talk about some of your hobbies. Obviously we taught you love football. Um, but, you know, there's some things that I learned uh, when me and Carmel and you had a little sit down and uh, that's, you have a, a skill of making something. What is that something? Got to go with wine. Got to go with wine. <laughs> My wife, when she sees this, going to go, hey, you talk to him and get us some wine. <laughs> eventually, eventually. Yeah. But how did that come about? Well, um, gosh, I don't even know how many years ago now. It's just uh, I, I started liking wine, uh, especially the sweet wine. And I think yeah. some of the early wine that I had was Brighton Ball. Um, and so I started. Brighton Ball. No, I'm joking. <laughs> So I, uh, I I started reading about it, the whole winemaking process, and uh, read about it for three years. Uh, I loved chemistry and all the sciences. Wait, what? You loved school. what? Chemistry. <laughs> so I just decided nice. to jump into it, and uh, I've been making wine for about seven years. And initially, it was about drinking the wine, but anymore, it's about relaxation, coming home got a little cellar set up, turn on some Sinatra, some Dean Martin. Oh, wow. Look at just you. tinker around with some wine. Nice. Yeah. And I feel like there's a whole, like I was just watching, um, I wasn't actually watching it on TV. I came across a video, guys, that was talking about how funny Kevin Hart was, but it was the <laughs> Kelly Clarkson show. <laughs> and they had a wine expert on there with Kevin Hart. And Kevin Hart, you know, he, had, he knew a little bit, but, you know, just hearing the expert talk about Everything that goes into it, I was just like, oh, yeah, blown away. Like, wow, I just, you know, for me, I just, I like the taste and I just, you know, drink a little bit, yeah. but I'm not a big drinker, but that was how I got introduced because I would, I didn't drink alcohol at all for the longest time. And then someone's like, hey, you know, this tastes, you know, good. It tastes like fruit. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> and I think I saw somewhere that someone said, hey, wine is fruit. You can get your daily yeah. fruit, <laughs> fruit, uh, intake from that if you, if you would like. So, um, but I think it's it's pretty cool, and I will be, you know, tugging. You Absolutely. Know, hey, JJ, let me get some. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing brings people together like some wine yes. and a nice charcuterie board. Wait, what is that? Don't know what charcuterie board No, I'm, I want to learn, though, because my wife, now everyone's probably going to make fun of me, but my wife used these two words that I had never heard of. The first one I should know, but it was palpitations. I was like, uh -huh. what is that? Did you say your heart is beating <laughs> out of your chest. And then <laughs> the second one was... We were, uh, we just moved into a new house and it was the, like, I just called them light coverings or whatever. And she was like, no, it's, it's a sconce. I was like, <laughs> I was like, what is a sconce? Josh, you know what a sconce is? It's just a little pastry. Well, now you know what it is now, but. <laughs> so it's pastries you dip in coffee. coffee. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, Blueberry, oh yeah, I know what those are. Chip. Yeah. I got introduced to those at Panera Bread. <laughs> 
but uh <laughs> but learning you know this this vocabulary and, and, and like stuff like that i want to you know seem smart you yeah know, if we're at brighton ball and i'm like oh yeah look at this all right go Chicartery, home talk- would you charcuterie call it? oh <laughs> charcuterie yeah. so there's big boards uh you get them and they have different meats and cheeses oh and i almost bought one of those for my wife okay I, okay yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there I'm, yeah. I'm with you now okay yeah Good, good. Well, talk I, about it tonight. Yes, before she sees this. <laughs> yeah, this won't come out till Tuesday, so she didn't really watch all of my my podcasts anyway. She just watched the one with our son on it. But I'm trying to get her on there. But um, no, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, but so obviously we talked, you know, about the wine and stuff. And is there any other hobbies you think you want to share, or you know, we, we want to get to the weaknesses of what you had to grow on to 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 land where you are now. Uh, you know, it, it really a lot works evolves around uh, work. Uh, I do have a 13-year-old daughter uh, who lives in St. Clairsville, so we spend as much time as we can. And uh, summers, I like to get a few rounds of golf in and oh, nice. increase my frustration level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's where I'm at. But we, uh, my wife and I, this summer, with the whole COVID thing, we decided to jump in and buy a boat. Uh, so boating is a newfound nice. hobby. Not a lot of people are doing that. Well, oh. A couple of my coworkers got boats yes, too. Yes. Oh man. Well, ex coworkers, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. And I, you know, I'm not really, and I hate to fit into the stereotype, but I'm not really, you know, big on water. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, one of the all star breaks I had, I went out on um, a lake in West Virginia, or just Virginia, not West Virginia. Um. Because I was playing in Lynchburg, Virginia, believe it or not. Uh-huh. But <laughs> uh, when the Indians told me they were sending me there, I was like, no, I don't want to go there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we went out on the lake with some of my teammates, and I was like, we were just out there all day on a little pontoon, and I was just, it was just so relaxing. Yeah. I was just like, man, this is, I see why everybody loves, you know, being out on a boat. Yeah, we kept it at Tap in the summer, and we'd get off work, go pick up a pizza, and go nice. sit on the lake for the rest of the evening. That's what's, how'd you meet yeah. your wife? uh through work okay nice nice so how long you guys been married Uh oh (laughs) you had to ask no uh we're we're on a year and a half okay yeah (laughs) i asked you fast too you did it's been a year and a half newlyweds still nice um now i'm kind of curious because obviously i've taken this new role at rainbow connection and i'm all about you know trying to figure out ways to get involved in the community as much as i can now Obviously, I know community mental health. You're involved in the community as is, and you're expanding that reach through social media and stuff like that. Is there any like projects or anything you have on mind that you think you want to do in the future? You know, doesn't have to involve the new building that's going to offer something else to you know uh, the community because uh, you pretty much got everything <laughs> covered almost. But is there anything else you feel like you know you know we need this or I want someone to do this or a community mental health we want to do this in the future that's going to directly impact our our community. Oh, absolutely. Um one of my my mottos for myself has been, you know, as an organization, if we're not dying if we're not growing, we're dying. And so that has kind of been the push all along is we get a project done, what do we do next? And so what we know in the community is that it's for those higher level of care for residential services um, in terms of treating addiction, uh, accessing detox services, we have nothing like that in the community. Um, So for anyone needing that, you need to go to Canton, Akron, uh, somewhere outside of the area. Um, 
so obviously that is something that we're focusing on uh, that's on our radar. Um, also continuing to expand our, our services. We know that um, many folks in the southern part of our county, uh, Newcomerstown, um, Yerkesville, Denison, have difficulty getting up here to access services. So how do we make services more accessible to the community by creating different locations around the community to deliver those services? Nice. Um, also another big push of ours has been getting services outside of our walls. We know that we have some very rural parts of the community uh, and we don't have public transportation systems. Um, we have some, uh, yeah. Horizons, SEA, yeah. um, but still people have difficulty accessing services. So you know, we've moved services into school districts uh, where we're providing counseling, case management services. We do some on-site programming cool. um, in the Common Police Court, in their diversion program, uh, community corrections program. So we're constantly looking for ways to move services outside of our office walls so that people can access those as easily as possible. Nice. That's exciting. For, for me, who grew up and not really paid attention to what the community needs or what, you know, we can offer to, you know, our community, for me coming back now, it's a whole different, you know, vantage point I'm looking from. And it, it's just good because, you know, when I'm playing, you know, when I was with the Indians or anybody, it's, you know, you know what's dover actually jim tomey knew what it was really jim tomey says oh yeah on 77 i've seen that sign before <laughs> <laughs> and i thought that was pretty cool but jim tomey is one of those they say he's the kindest hall of famer there is you know because a lot of people you know they're oh, i'm so-and-so i don't need to talk to a minor leaguer but jim tomey was he was pretty cool he was, i played with him for a little bit so it, it was it was getting cool to, to talk to him and but uh it's a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, Dover, like, what is that? You know, Dover, Delaware or something like that, or just Tuscarawas County. They look at that and they're like, you know, what is that? How do you spell yeah. that? But I just learned how to spell that, by the way. <laughs> um, but it's just something that, you know, I'm, I'm proud of now to talk about. And, and I, a lot of my guests have been from uh, Tuscarawas County or are instilled, entrenched in the community now. And, you know, obviously I like having some people outside on the show as well, but um, – I just love talking to people, especially community leaders like yourself. And, you know, I plan to keep having more people on. But, um, I mean, other than that, like, I appreciate having you on the show. I mean, is there anything Absolutely. else you wanted to share? Um, you know, shout out to your, your daughter or anything like that? Oh, to, of course. <laughs> shout out to Ellie. <laughs> okay, there uh, it is. My daughter, Ellie, 13. <laughs> nice, um, nice. So, no, I, I think just, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. Uh, Anybody that would need um, behavioral health services. We um, could put that number somewhere on the screen when yeah. he edits it and does stuff. And, and <laughs> all of our services are on a sliding fee scale. Uh, so that's the other great thing. Um, whether it's coming in for behavioral health services, primary care, dental, everything's based on family size and income. Uh, so even though you may have insurance and one of those deductible that is like $20,000 a year, <laughs> yeah. that you're never going to meet. Um we still evaluate you for the sliding fee scale in our primary care and, and dental services. So nice. um, we want to make services accessible to people as, as they can. And you know, the so payment it, isn't an issue. Yeah. So anybody can come no matter how oh, much absolutely. money you make or how little. Absolutely. There's, there's a way. Gotcha. Absolutely. Like it. That's yes. important. Um, well, I'm, I'm, you know, ecstatic. I want to see, you know, what you guys do in the future and, you know, how we can work together and how I can learn from you since you've been, you know, uh, doing your thing for, you know, so long because, you know, you're old. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <Look at the gray. laughs> 
I used to have hair, and this was like dark brown when I started. Yeah, it, it, it's not a 99 miles per hour show if I don't talk about how old someone is. But uh, no, we do appreciate having you on. We appreciate everybody yes, tuning you. in. Um, make sure you subscribe. Uh, you know, if you are feeling some type of way and you don't know where to go or who to call, um, even if they can't serve you, I'm pretty sure they can point you in the right direction. But like we've covered in the show, they pretty much take care of everything. So you got a cavity, <laughs> you know, you're feeling depressed there. They got you covered. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important that we are aware of these situations and do not, do not, you know, try to hide them or suppress them or be ashamed um, because I'm not ashamed and I talk about my issues all the time and I think it's important um, when someone like Kevin Love shares, you know, uh, I think it's important that we all become aware and we're all comfortable with showing, hey, you're comfortable going to the hospital if you break your arm. Be comfortable if you're not feeling right. You're not, you don't feel like you want to live or anything like that. So um, make sure you reach out to Community Mental Health. There's someone that can help you. So, but we appreciate everybody. Appreciate you again, JJ. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Peace.